When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Pats Daily brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel and SeatGeek. More from them later. The Patriots have fallen once again. Theme of the season, losing to the Buffalo Bills. Terrible first 20 minutes, but a valiant effort towards the end. Another theme of this year where it's been pretty rough at times, so especially on the defensive side of the ball, we've seen them fight their tails off. we got a mailbag show. You guys got questions. We got answers. And to help me out, I've got Dak Randall from Nesson. Does great work. And also the only person I've seen actually be able to thoroughly explain the draft order. So that's obviously a big topic of discussion. We're going to get into that. But first and foremost, Coda, how are you doing? And did you have any takeaways from media availability today with the coaches? We heard a lot from Gerard Mayo and Bill O'Brien about some of the, uh, you know, off season, some of the stuff going on. What were your thoughts? I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know, I just spent like a half hour walking through a Macy's with my wife, so that was really exciting. Uh, <laughs> I think I've got to watch the Patriots offense. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought, you know, the availabilities today were interesting, you know, primarily for what Gerard Mayo said. There was that report um, recently, I think it's from Greg Bedard of the Boston Journal, who said Mayo's rubbed some people the wrong way ever since signing that contract extension. I forget who, but there was someone else who sort of corroborated it. Um and, you know, uh, I think it was Karen Garigian asked Mayo point blank if he had any reaction. And he had a really good sort of thoughtful, you know, answer where he was like it triggered a period of self-reflection, um, you know, that he, it was kind of hurtful. He questioned the timing of it, um, but he sort of tackled it head on and I thought gave a really good answer. And I just think that was that was interesting. More stuff with him about what, you know, when he eventually becomes a head coach, what his mindset is. Cam Acord was Cam Acord. Uh, you know, he's interesting for our purposes, but for the broader audience, probably not too much going in the weeds of maybe the worst special teams unit in the NFL. Um, and then Bill O'Brien, you know, I think it was just kind of a continuation of what he, he's done all year, which is, you know, be accessible. He, he He's easy to talk to, but he really has mastered the art of saying nothing. Mm, yeah, <laughs> he, he says yep. a lot. He really answers every question. He does a good job. He never, never feels like he's dismissing you, but he does a really good job of saying a lot without or, or not saying much you know, while technically saying a lot. Yeah. And with Mayo, I mean, one of the reasons I personally am excited about the potential of him becoming the head coach for the Patriots at some point down the line is that transparency. Like, obviously we're all very accustomed to Bill Belichick, the master of giving you nothing, just shamelessly. He will make you feel like your question was stupid and he really doesn't care. So, but yeah, it was interesting that he was really honest with us about how he felt about it. I really didn't expect that level of transparency. And with Bill O'Brien, I actually pitched him a question I did not think I was going to get a thorough answer. I'm like, hey, it's relevant. Let me just see what I can get out of him. 
I asked if he thought there was still a place in the league for pocket passers, because obviously the league is dominated right now by a bunch of athletic freaks. And it feels like, especially we talk about the quarterback draft class, we're going to get to that. But, you know, most of those guys at the top of the class are really good athletes who can make plays off script. And O'Brien did say that, one, I alluded to Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi when I was saying pocket passers. He did kind of say that he doesn't consider them pocket passers, noting how Bailey Zappi had a couple explosive runs, one for a touchdown, how Mac Jones, you know, to his detriment at times, but he has made some plays this season with his legs when he was the starter. But he did acknowledge that with the athleticism of modern pass rushers, that you do have to be able to make things happen off script and kind of be elusive. So to that point, shameless intro into the first question in our mailbag. So Michael Penix Jr. had an outstanding performance yesterday in the Sugar Bowl to beat Texas. His stats, 29 for 38 for 430 yards for an 11.3 average and two touchdowns. Now, I'm actually going to throw a graphic up real quick because this was kind of insane uh, when they threw this on the broadcast at ESPN. 4,500-plus passing yard seasons in consecutive seasons. Who's done it in the FBS? Oh, just Patrick Mahomes as well as Michael Penix Jr. Just kind of insane. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, there's plenty of questions surrounding Michael Penix Jr., especially when it comes to his health. He's had multiple season-ending injuries, and those have kind of affected his athleticism. But with his performance last night and the fact that we're going to see him in the championship game against a very stout Michigan defense that is stacked with NFL talent, do you think Michael Penix is now a top 10 pick? And the Patriots obviously have to address quarterback, at least left tackle, maybe right tackle as well, depending on what they want to do with Mike and Wendy when if he resigns, and wide receiver. What should be attacked in the draft, and what do you think they should address in free agency? Yeah, so uh, specifically on Penix, you know, I, I could easily see him being a top 10 pick just because, like, that's what seems to happen every year i mean you know there's someone there's a quarterback who always seems to slide last year it was will levis but there's also one who always surges up the draft boards uh certainly feels like Jaden daniel's going to do that yep. this year uh but michael Penix, i easily could see you know someone falling in love with him going into the draft especially if he has a good combine or pro day which you know i don't see why he wouldn't but for me it's like you know the red flags are and, and you probably watched more of him this year than i have but for me it's like the injuries first and foremost, mm-hmm. and they are significant. It's a significant injury history. What same ACL torn twice, uh, injuries to both shoulders, um, surgery on one. I don't know if he had surgery on the throwing shoulder, but I know he had surgery on the non-throwing shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those are real injury red flags. Um, you know, the throwing motion. I think a lot. You know, some people think it is a little long and, and awkward and uh, maybe too slow. Is he able to correct that? You know, probably some some players do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, you know, some people don't love, uh, you know, having a lefty quarterback because you got to kind of revamp the offense. And for me, like, no matter how well he's played this year and how well he played last night, that doesn't really do anything to dissuade those concerns. So, you know, bef- you know, before these last couple months, a lot of people viewed him as a late first round pick, second round pick, maybe someone who could think further. Um, and for me, like, that feels like it still should be the most accurate um, projection for him. But at the end of the day, you know, teams fall in love with quarterbacks ahead mm-hmm. of the draft, and I easily could see him uh, surging up the board. Now, whether the Patriots should be a team that targets him that early, I would say no. Um, who knows if he's our kind of guy? It depends on who's calling the shots at that point. Yeah. Obviously, that's a whole different conversation. But for me, um, yeah, I could see him being a top 10 pick, but I would not take him with a top 10 pick if, if it were me because the injuries, I think, uh, to me, that's too much risk at that point. I'd rather 
trade the f- big hit or what have you away from, you know, potentially never being the same again. So that absolutely tackled on his shoulder, right? If he just gets tackled on that throwing shoulder and it pops out again, I mean, guys that deal with separated shoulders, like sometimes they just never heal. Right. And of mm-hmm. course he's getting the best physical therapy that you can get, but still, I mean, that's it. Sometimes it just keeps happening. And it's some, some guys, just have bad injury luck and he just might be one of those guys. And to me, it's too risky. Especially for a guy whose superpower is his deep ball. Like if you lose that, then you're talking about, all right, now why did we spend such a high draft pick on him? And then I think there's also fair concerns where like he's got the Phillip Rivers throwing motion. We're like, can you survive with it? Yes, clearly, but it does need to be tightened up. And I think there's still some footwork concerns. I think it's kind of like a Mac Jones situation where he can make the poor mechanics work. Like I think you saw him make some gorgeous throws despite not having the best lower body mechanics. Uh, But I mean, at the end of the day, the guy has shown a legitimate clutch team, like ice in his veins. We've seen multiple times in games where he had to either come back or try to put the game away. He's willing to take shots and not only make them, but actually follow through. So I would agree. While I wouldn't like to see the Patriots take him with such an early pick, if they decide for whatever reason to go tackle, go wide receiver or whatever, I think it's fair to, you know, maybe think about him a little bit later if he's still around. But I wouldn't be surprised if a team like the Jets, who are truly one quarterback away, are like, yep, you know what? We're going to take the chance because we really think he's going to be good for organization. And he seems great off the field. Dude's got a lot of swagger. I love that. So the other parts of the question, quarterback, tackle, and wide receiver. Now, personally, I think quarterback, I think you got to go draft. I think you're just spinning your wheels if you end up trying to sign like a Kirk or a, God forbid, Russell Wilson or something like that. Like, just stop playing games. Don't wait for like a J.J. McCarthy where, you know, he's got some upside. Like, no, no upside. You're probably going to have a high pick. Use it to get the face of your franchise. For tackle, that's one where I just don't think the market's going to be great. Like it's Unwendu and Trent Brown are at the top of the market. Then it's Jonah Williams and a pretty significant fall off from there. And wide receiver, I mean, it also depends on whether or not there's even going to be anybody available. A lot of the top wideouts probably aren't going to be able to make it out of their building, whether it's franchise tag, somebody throws money at them. I'm not sure you're going to get the game changer you want on the market. So I think for all three of these positions, the best thing for them to do is go to the draft. My ideal uh, scenario would be go quarterback with your first pick, maybe trade back into the first round for a tackle. And there's so many good wide receivers. I really think that you can find a way to get somebody who can be an impact player early for you. Yeah, I agree. And Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison Jr., um, or one of the top tackles, whether it's Joe Alter, I always can't pronounce his name, Olu Fashanu. You got it. Right? Nailed it. Yeah, so like one of those five guys uh, will be there at that spot, and those happen to be your three biggest needs. Um, So wherever you finish, like you're going to be, wherever you finish in the first round, you're going to have an opportunity to get one of those guys. But for me, like, and it all depends, right? If the first two picks are Bears, Commanders, and they are committed to going quarterback, there's not too much you can do at that point. But I think, you know, there's certainly a path here. Um, If if a different team finishes there, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals, uh, maybe even the Giants, regardless, like the Patriots are going to finish so high up that they are going to be more well positioned uh, than any of the teams that are down at, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 to trade up to number two. Mm-hmm. Um, this is right. I mean, the commanders have totally screwed it up for them. You know, when it was just yeah, Bears, Cardinals, Patriots, like I thought it was a lock because I said, if, if the Cardinals are committed to Kyler Murray, then the Patriots, they're there at Marvin Harrison. They, you just do a simple pick swap. Boom. You have trick May. Now it's more complicated, but I think, they have so much that you can just package that first round pick, that second pick in the second round, which is essentially a first round pick, and then maybe a player or whatever it needs to be, and go up and get the guy. Like go up and get the quarterback. 
Um, whoever, whichever one you're really committed to, go get them. And then as far as tackle and receiver, you know, I think I, I might be crazy. Um, I mean, I think we all like agree crazy. resign Mike and Mike for right tackle. Yes. I might be crazy, but I think I've seen enough of the Darian Lowe this year to be like, I at least want to give him a shot next summer. Like, I think at times he's looked really good. I think he played well at times uh, against the Bills. Mm-hmm. I think the week before he played really well. There have been times this year that I think he's, from a technique standpoint, like the worst offensive tackle I've ever seen. Yes. Uh, you know, but there's a, but he's a young player who's learning. Um, you know, I think offensive line coaching has been an issue this year. Mm-hmm. If they can figure that out, like, I think he has promise. And then so then I would go, you know, whether it be using that that 34th overall pick on the tackle or packaging that pick with something else to trade up into the first round to get the tackle. To me, that's where you do it. You have to get him and get the tackle one of those two spots. Maybe it's not plug and play right away, which is why I think, you know, maybe you can get by with a Bedarian low, depending on what he shows next summer until the draft pick is ready. Um, and then the receiver, you know, we're going to figure it out. I mean, you can find receivers if you have the right personnel staff that knows how to identify these guys. You can find them in the third, fourth, fifth round, sixth round to Mario Douglas. You know, do it there, whether it be a free agent or going out and getting someone like T. Higgins. Get the receiver that way, but use the draft high picks for quarterback tackle. That's what I would do. The Vidarian low take is spicy. I don't fully agree, but I like it. If you go in next year, I don't know what your options are. Like you can't, unless you're just going to go, I don't even know who the top free agent tackle is. I'll, I'll, besides, mm-hmm. like, I think it's Trent Brown and, and Mike and Wenu, right? Unless yeah, and then like Jonah Williams after that. And like, I think he's solid, but if he even gets out of Cincinnati, there's no guarantee. So what do you, I mean, what are your options at that point? That's why I'm like, you know, maybe if they, but if you finish in the fifth pick, you might just take, Fashanu, right, and then mm-hmm. and then that that solves the problem right there. But if that's not what it is, and you get a quarterback, I don't know what other options you have other than you know you you have a Darian Low as just an option, and then you use you trade into back into the first round or use a thirty fourth pick on a tackle, and you I mean you hope that he's ready to go week one. That would be the intent when you draft somebody that high, but they're not always ready. And then until then, you know maybe you can get by with a Darian Low because I don't think he's an abject disaster. Like I think there's some promise. And to your credit, I will say that I think three of his best graded performances by PFF were all when he was at left tackle. I do think he looks different. Like I will say last week, there were still enough bad reps where I didn't want to like post anything because I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to pretend like this was some transformative day. Like he still very much struggles, but he looks much, much more comfortable on the left side than he does on the right. I think his two best games were against the two of his best games were against the bills. Both times he had to come in for Trent Brown, although this last time he was a full fledged starter. And then last week. So I think there is something to that. And the biggest thing at receiver and, and uh, offensive line period is development. Like, you know, you can always have the debate over whether, you know, you pick the right player, yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, they need to be taught and they need to be put in a position to succeed. And I'm not sure Troy Brown is necessarily that person. You know, Demario Douglas has done better than any Patriots rookie. But if you're looking at the body of work since he's been the receivers coach, it's not all that great. An offensive line, like we said, I don't even know if Adrian Clem's going to be back next season because of his health issues. We have no idea what that's going to look like. And it's just been a disaster, honestly, oh, for the most part, outside of like City Sow, uh, since, you know, he had to leave the team. Yeah. So I agree. I really do think they got to go to the draft. Now we're going to get to the draft talk where the Patriots could land. But before we do, quick word from our friends at FanDuel. We'll be back. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. 
That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. So we're going to intro into this with one of the questions we had in the mailbag. Is there any way for the Patriots to get the second overall pick in the draft? And to help out with this, I'm going to throw your tweet up on the board. You did a phenomenal job breaking down the scenarios I know I can't just follow it by myself, so we got a little bit of visual aid, but I'm giving you the floor right now. Let us know what are the scenarios, what's the best case scenario, worst case scenario, and how can all these things play out? Yeah, I gave myself a bit of a popsicle headache today going through this stuff. <laughs> yeah, But, uh, you know, and again, so I use this primarily going through two ways. Um, I use the Pro Football Network. Uh, they have a simulator in there that you can use it for, to either do uh, playoff standings and, and, and playoff picture stuff or the draft order, uh, sort of like that ESPN playoff machine. It works the same way. And then so, you know, but I use that to sort of pick the games. But then in terms of figuring out which results around the league are best for which team uh, relative to like, you know, if, if you're the Patriots and you're tied with the Giants, which result is better for both teams? I use Tankathon's rooting guide. So if anybody wants to go do, them, do this all themselves, those are the two places to go. Uh, but through going through it all, and I got to say, and I don't have their name right on it right now, but someone tipped me off on Twitter and said, um, that they had heard or, or gone through it and that, that you couldn't, there was no way they thought for the Chargers or the Titans to get ahead of the Patriots in terms of tiebreakers. So I was like, well, that's what I want to figure out because that'd be a pretty big deal. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, unless the Pro Football Network system is flawed, um, which I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure that site was either started or that whole thing is run by a former ESPN stats guy. So I, don't, I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Take it with a grain of salt. But I, I, I that seemed <laughs> legit to me. Um you know, but after going through all of it, yeah, like there's no mathematic mathematical way at all anyway that I could find for either the Chargers or the Titans to pass the Patriots. So that locks them into a top five pick, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot better. Because, again, if you slide down to six or seven, you know, then you're opening up a whole new can of worms. And I think the whole conversation changes. And then you are, in my opinion, unless you're like all sold on Joe Alt or Jaden Daniel slides or whatever it may be at that point, I think you are in trade down territory or at least you could be. Um, so like right now, yeah, there, it looks certain to me that they are locked into a top five pick. Uh, and as far as the, the number two overall pick, the simplest way uh, is Patriots lose and commanders win. That's it. I mean, if that mm-hmm. happens, the 
Patriots lose to the Jets and the Commanders beat the Cowboys at home, which I don't rule that out. You know, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick them by any means, but like, you know, the Commanders hung with the Niners a little bit last weekend. Mm. The Cowboys are, you know, they can they can, you know, put up a stinker with the best of them when they're when they don't show up and play. Um, so I wouldn't totally rule it out. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be stunned if the Patriots lose to the Jets, given how well they've, you know, not how well, how hard they've played lately, the Bill Belichick factor, like, but who knows if Patriots lose to the Jets, commanders win, uh, Patriots get the second overall pick. If they both win, um, or, or rather if the, if the Patriots win, um, and the commanders, now I'm getting, now I'm getting myself off. This is where it gets fun. It's I'm like you get to myself. three and it's just like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, if the Patriots win uh, and the commanders lose, um, you know, then it, then it kind of becomes a battle for that third pick. Uh, and mm-hmm. the commanders at that point have it because the commanders also have the tiebreaker over the Cardinals. So there's nothing the Patriots can do there. But if the Patriots win um, and they, and the commanders also win, um, then the way for the Patriots to still get in, or the, the, the or sorry, <laughs> the Patriots are guaranteed the second pick if they lose to the New York Jets, if they lose to the Jets, mm-hmm. um, and the Commanders also lose to the Cowboys. So both teams finish with four wins. Mm-hmm. And these are the games that you want to happen for the Patriots. Ravens beat mm-hmm. the Steelers. Texans beat the Colts. Falcons beat the Saints. Bears beat the Packers. And Broncos beat the Raiders. Uh, so those are five games. Mm-hmm. They don't need all those to break their way, but they need most of them. Uh, and the big one in there is the Falcons beating the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the big one. That it kind of all hinges on that one. If the Saints win, it's going to be hard for the Patriots to get the second pick. Um, because if the Saints win, um, but the other results, all the other four games all stay the same. So if Saints win. But Ravens beat Steelers, Texans beat Colts, Bears beat Packers, Broncos beat Raiders. The Patriots and Commanders are tied in that strength of schedule tiebreaker. Mm. But it's, it, it goes to New England. I'm not going to bore you with how or why that is, but it still goes to New England. You know. However, um, if just one of the other four games goes the other way, so if Saints win and then one of those other four games has the opposite result that we were talking about, then it's Commanders and there's nothing the Patriots can do. Uh, so it really does sort of all hinge on the Falcons and the Saints. Mm. Uh, if the Falcons win, on the other hand, um, you know, the Patriots get a little bit of wiggle room there where, you know, they can have two, but not any more of those other four games go the other way uh, than what would be the ideal result. So really, I mean, if you're a Patriots fan going into this weekend, um, that's the game you want to watch. Falcons, Saints, you're rooting for the Falcons. Uh, if the Saints win, um you know, you're 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 in trouble at that point. I would give you a standing ovation if it wasn't going to take me out of the screen. I don't think I could have broken that down the way you did if I was reading directly from the tweet. So well done. Well, I got off to a bad start because I started talking about if they both win, which was not the scenario at all. I just twisted myself up. But I mean, there's there there's some wild stuff that could happen. I mean, there's a chaos scenario where um, if the Patriots and Commanders both win uh, and the Giants lose, so all teams have five wins. Uh, there, I think there's still, there's still a way for the Patriots, um, to get, I mean, I think in that situation, uh, the, or no, and the Cardinals win as well. Like you could get giants second Patriots, third commanders, fourth, like there's a way for the giants to still get up to the second pick. 
Um, then all three of them would be t- or Patriots, Commanders, Giants would all have the same strength of schedule, and it's just like a chaos scenario. Um, but it's pretty unlikely. But there is a way for it to happen. It's kind of funny because if you're like a playoff team, you have to deal with this insane math permutations for the playoffs. And if you're one of the top 10 teams, you're trying to figure it out for draft order. So unless you're one of the boring teams in the middle, you're going to have to deal with some kind of insane level of math to figure it out. But Thank you for that. That was incredibly helpful. So we do know, bottom line, the Patriots are locked into a top five pick. If they lose, then you're sitting pretty. You can get the second overall pick. And then I'm not, I'm not going to go deeper than that because I will start to confuse myself. Um, yeah, but the thing, you know, though, if they if they lose, <coughs> excuse me, if they lose, uh, the they, they are locked into a top three pick. They right. can't finish any lower than that because they are guaranteed to have the tiebreaker over the Cardinals. Um, so, you know, and again, I think, you know, if you finish third, you're in a good spot because I, and I, I've talked about this a lot with the other guys where people say, you know, it, 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 let, 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 let's just for the sake of conversation, mm-hmm. say that, you know, the commanders or you know, bears, number one command or uh, Cardinals, number two and uh, Patriots, number three, let's just say that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's even say for the sake of argument that the commanders trade all the way up to number one for the bears and they're there and they're going to take Caleb Williams. So really it's all about Drake may and you think you're, and you think, well, you know, the Cardinals might get blown away with some crazy offer from the Jets or some team that's at number 10 that trades a first, the next year's first, a player. And you're like, wow, would the Patriots ever really match that? You know, I think finishing in number three this year is huge because you're you're effectively in control of Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm. And I think that's just a total different variable where if I'm the Cardinals, you know, and I'm committed to Kyler Murray and I no longer have DeAndre Hopkins, I think Marquise Brown's a free agent or Hollywood Brown, whatever. Um you know, I think the allure of, of someone like Marvin Harrison and how good he is, the buzz he'd create, like if I'm them, I would probably rather take a slightly lesser offer from the Patriots in terms of that draft value chart that you always see. Mm-hmm. I would take a worse offer if it guaranteed me Marvin Harrison Jr. And I think that's a, that could be in play for the Bears as well. I mean, we saw DJ Moore and Justin Fields both have a great relationship with Harrison. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he is a huge X factor in all this because if you finish in third, you can kind of get a piece on the chessboard. And I think that could be a huge part of all of this. If you could get your quarterback and a little bit of dessert with a little extra draft capital, that is chef's kiss. You want, I don't care who's a GM. That is one hell of a draft. All right. I want to get your thoughts on who the Patriots could potentially take if they end up with that top five pick or top three pick. We'll go over some situations, but first quick word from SeatGeek. We'll be back. I've been looking for the best deal on Celtics tickets And with over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports festivals, and more. With the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons in full swing, you don't want to miss out. SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Plus, artists like Travis Scott are on tour. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10, so look for the green dots. Green means good and red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. So as you know, I always come through for you guys. You can use my code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you check the link in the description to download the app. Okay, so I'm going to tweak this question a little bit. 
just for the sake of argument, would you consider if the Patriots get like a top three pick? So then that means even in the second round, they've got some room where they could realistically get back into the first round if they wanted somebody towards the end, like one of the fringe quarterbacks outside of the top part of the conversation. Would you consider getting a non-quarterback and waiting? And we already kind of talked about this. Like, one, I don't think Baker Mayfield's leaving Tampa. They love him. He's been doing a really great job with them. And like we talked about, we don't really want any other guys like a Kirk Cousins or a Russell Wilson or anybody like that. So, like I said, would you get like a Marvin Harrison Jr. yourself? Would you want to get a Joe Alt? depending on how you feel about Bailey Zappi, maybe a chance that Mac Jones bounces back, whatever. Or are you locked into the idea of a quarterback? And if so, who's your pick if you had your – Take the litter. I'm locked into a quarterback just because, <clears throat> excuse me, I think unless I, I look at this and I think unless the Giants are pursuing a quarterback, which I don't really, I don't think they're going to. Um, I don't think they can, right? And so to me, again, the Patriots are going to be top five. And unless, unless someone just like trades ahead of them and it all gets screwed up, I think they're going to be able to take at least Jaden Daniels. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's not I mean, I think he's he, he's really good. I mean, he's he's surging. His draft stock is surging. Um, you know, I mean, how do the Patriots feel about him? Again, this all comes down to who's making the calls. And we just don't know right now. So that makes it difficult. But like I'm going all in on the quarterback. But if mm -hmm. for some reason they can't or if they look at it as it's Caleb Williams or Drake May or nothing, we don't have a first round grade on Jaden Daniels, which they might not. Uh, mm -hmm. If it's not that I'm going tackle. Um, you know, I, I know how fun Marvin Harrison Jr. would be. Uh, I don't disagree. I mean, it's a receiver league now. But to me, I mean, having a franchise true dominant left tackle, um, as you like, as you see with the Niners, right? You can just win in so many other we other ways. You can be run heavy. You can have an athletic quarterback. You can have a pocket passer quarterback. Like it's kind of it's the foundation for everything. Look at all the great teams in the league right now, or the teams that have gone from being not very good to very good in just a span of a couple of years. Lions, Eagles, it wasn't so long ago that they weren't very good. And, you know, and, and obviously the Niners, like what's the common thread? Excellent offensive line play across the board. Um, I think it starts there. And, you know, I think, you know, if, if you find a way to bring back Mike and Wenu, which I think they should be able to, um, I feel good about the interior. There are some question marks, sure. I think it's kind of weird. We still don't know what this, the details of Cole Strange's injury are. Like, it's just weird yeah. we haven't done anything. Um, but regardless, I, I feel good about City Sow. Uh, I feel good about David Andrews. You have the developmental center behind him and Jake Andrews. Uh, we'll see what Antonio Mafia looks like in the second summer. But, like, I think all those other spots, you can feel good about that. It's just that left tackle. Uh, and then once you have that set, like, you could win with a rookie quarterback if they're good enough. You could win with the plug and play aging veteran. If you need to, you can win with a bridge like Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones. If he, if he strains things out, like I think it all starts there. Uh, and it's where things have have unraveled for the Patriots the last few years is not having things sorted out in the line. So I know Marvin Harrison would be fun for everybody, uh, but I would go tackle whoever they have the highest grade on. 
I absolutely agree. Like you said, I, quarterback, I think, has to be the move. Talk about Jaden Daniels, Heisman winner, and he led, I believe, college football in explosive plays. That's not nothing. That is something that pretty quickly translates to the NFL level, and he's shown growth over his career. Obviously, a fifth-year uh, fifth senior, so you kind of expected him to have some stability to his game, but it's still there. And then, like you talked about, the offensive line, we've seen what happened with Mac Jones. Like It doesn't matter who's back there. If you just let the guy get beaten to a pulp, I mean, a good left tackle is kind of like hurricane insurance. You don't really think about it and doesn't seem that sexy until the levees break. And then, oh, well, all my stuff's gone. Be really nice to have that all insured. So, right. man, I really appreciate your time. I'm going to let you get out of here. Thank you so much. But before you do, please let the people know where they can find you and what work you got coming out this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody can can follow me on X. Uh, at, at, I know it's. I, I wonder when we're going to get to the point where we all don't say that with like the the tint the the tinge of sarcasm, right? Right. Uh, I don't think it's but, coming. <laughs> no, it's gonna be a while. But you can find me. Yeah, at Dak Randall. Uh, straightforward. And then, um, you know, as far as what I got coming this week, I think we're all in the same boat, right? It is yeah. draft stuff. Uh, but really, what's going to go on with Bill Belichick? Um, I don't have anything specific in the works. I'm kind of working on something like. And Adam, I'm curious for your thoughts on this too, Taylor. Like, mm. should we find out? Like, would it be the right thing for us to know ahead of time what's going to happen with Bill if they have made that call? Because I just think it's it's bizarre that we could go into Sunday uh, and have a, sim a situation similar to what we had with Tom Brady a few years back where there's no celebration of it. There's no, like, ovation. There's no acknowledgement. There's no real right. part of the fans. And they're not the same situation, right? Because with Brady, I think, we just didn't really know. And I think a lot of people thought at the end of the day he'd come back. This one seems like it's almost a foregone conclusion. Uh, and so it would be strange to just still act like nothing's going on and just go into a regular post-game press conference. Like, I just wonder if we get something beforehand. Um, so that's kind of the main thing I'm going to work on this week is like just a, why I think, whether it be leaking it through the media or just coming out and saying it, like we should get some acknowledgement ahead of time. I think that'd be the smart thing, mm -hmm. whether they will or not. Who knows? But I, I think they should. I agree. I honestly just am not sure if Kraft is going to have his mind made up. Like, I really I don't even think it's like they want to have some kind of mystery. I think he really just doesn't know. But hopefully we get some clarification. My projects this week are pretty much centered around preparing for Belichick being gone. I hope not, because honestly, I think he's earned another. It's going to sound crazy. I think he's earned another year because the buy in that he's managed to retain is crazy. But I do think he's got to take a step back in the personnel department. But We'll see what happened. Thank you, brother. I appreciate your time. Thank you all for joining. As always, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. 